Crown Jewel is in the books and the wrestling month will be bookended by back-to-back -back big pay-per-views from wrestling's big two. WWE will present Survivor Series War Games two weeks from tomorrow from Chicago and in just eight days' time, AEW will run full gear from the Kia Forum in California. We're going to talk about all of it on this week's Earning the Push. My name is Jack Murley, professional broadcaster joined by professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, who's a little under-the-weather fluey coffee today. Yeah, that flu that's going around mm. got, it, got its uh, grasps on me, unfortunately. So if I start coughing or... Uh, what I'm going with is that it's giving a sexy huskiness to my voice today. That's what I'm going for. It's also embarrassing to me because when I got it, we I tapped out and we didn't do a podcast. No, but you were much worse than me. Jack was sending me a voice down. I was like, you can't actually talk. There's a difference. Well, we shall see. Well, we're going to do wrestling today, and we've got lots to talk about. Remember, on the socials, he's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Thank you to each and every one of you who listens uh, every time we pop the pod out. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are to keep us going and growing. We're starting with WWE, although AEW is really good at the moment. We will get into that later. But WWE, Crown Jewel is in the books. Survivor Series is fast approaching. It's looked for a while as if we were going to be getting a war games and that was confirmed on monday night raw adam pierce set the stage judgment day against cody rhodes seth rollins jay uso and Sami Zayn. we didn't get william regal we got adam pierce doing his best regal impression war games is set yes it is and like i said i think we all saw it coming i think it's a shame we couldn't get regal out there but i think he's not allowed to be on screen is he for another year or so with the deal they broke with AEW. so i'm sure next year we'll have the right man shouting war games um like you say, we all saw this coming, but it doesn't make it any less exciting. War Games is a really, really cool gimmick, I think. I think we still pinch ourselves a little bit that we have it after it was gone for so long. And I think a really, really cool moment for Cody Rhodes to compete in War Games for the first time, which obviously, in case people don't know, is a stipulation that his dad designed and created an event. So really cool. And I can you can you think of in the recent in the last even maybe 10, 15 years when we've had four baby faces this hot as the team that are going into the babyface team in this. No, I can. I was going to say this to you. It, it's Jey Uso is maybe on the cusp where you go, maybe you could swap in and forget storylines and brand splits. But if you were just doing your one, two, three, four of hot baby faces, you could maybe take Jey Uso out and put LA Knight in. Apart from that, these are the guys. Cody was, I mean, the pop for Cody in Saudi, which we'll talk about later, but also on Raw this week, was huge. Seth is over. Sami Zayn is just Mick Foley-esque in his babyface uh, love from the crowd at the moment. These guys are all over, and Jey Uso, fair play, is over as a babyface as well. Yeah, they are so, so over, and I think it's been a tough time to be a babyface in WWE recently because the world has changed, and we like, we've enjoyed, I say we, wrestling fans, are just all fans of everything, the way we consume entertainment has become a bit edgier I think like the classic good guy beats the bad guy has almost become a little thorny in our skeptical view of, of society sometimes so the fact that WWE have managed to have four just red hot baby faces and five include LA Knight who are just like this they are they aren't tweeners they are they are just out and out baby face they are the good guys especially Cody Cody is a throwback to the like 80s 90s goes around kisses the kids like genuinely goes around kisses babies sort of baby face and he's so over for it. So you've got to um, you've got to give credit to WWE. You've also got to give credit to the judgment there, especially as being a heel team that are the foil we want to see the baby faces beat. Like it's hard to be a heel faction or a heel wrestler at the moment who you don't get 
converted to babyface eventually because you're too cool and you're over. But the Judgment Day, we just dislike. We can appreciate how good they are. But like Don Mysterio, how how impressive is it how long he's kept his genuine we hate you heat? So I think it's the, the best time we've had for a babyface and heel team. And I kind of like they've gone, yeah, the story's a little bit convoluted. It doesn't 100% make sense, but... You four guys are good. You four guys are bad. We're going to stick you in a cage and see what happens. I think it works really well. And what I like is that we got War Games again because it felt not necessarily like a one-off, but it was a novelty when we got it at Survivor Series last year and people said, is it just going to be a one and done for this? It is fine by me if we don't see Survivor Series elimination matches anymore at Survivor Series, which I know to some fans will be sacrilege, and we just get a War Games do we need two war games? WWE has been very good in recent years of saying there's a men's rumble, there's a women's rumble, there's a men's money in the bank, there's a women's money in the bank, there's a men's war games and there's a women's war game. Do you think we're going to get an announcement of a women's war games to go with this or would you rather just have the one? Um, on a wider thing, I always like when the women get the same opportunities as the men, that's the right way to go. I think at this point now, I don't think there is the depth of storyline or the clear-cut two teams to have a women's war games this year. Now, the, the maybe the, not concern, but the biggest, the slight issue there is that we haven't got the depth in storytelling in the women's division that we can have this. So fast forward 12 months, I'd love to see enough depth in the women's division that we have got four or five baby faces or four or five heels who it makes sense for them to have a match. But I wouldn't rush our women's war games in the next two weeks. I think that would do a disservice both to the gimmick and to the women involved because you would end up with a match that didn't have stakes, wasn't of the best quality and would therefore do a disservice to war games and the women. So I wouldn't rush it this year, but definitely if this is going to become an annual thing, I would like to also, we don't have to have a men's and a women's each year. Like if the storyline's there for next year, let's just have a women's war games. We don't need to have a men's because that's the only thing when they do this. It sometimes seems like um, it's token that both both genders get one. Also, it makes a show quite long then. And I always say it with the Rumbles, Rumbles are long. War games are not quick matches. not like a Hell in a Cell that can be 15, 20 minutes. War games go for 40, 45 minutes. So you probably only have time. We all know how I like my wrestling, short and sharp. We only have time for one, I think, in a, in a well-structured pay-per-view or premium live event. So, yeah, it doesn't need to be a men's or women's. Just have a women's next year. Just, just whichever storyline dictates the need for it more, give it to them. I completely agree. I think that this year we don't need one. I, I could see, as we record this on Friday morning, I could see a scenario on SmackDown where they knock together some sort of damage control versus, but I don't think it merits it. And that's what we... If we're going to have War Games as a tentpole of Survivor Series, what we don't want it to be is what the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view became or the TLC pay-per-view became, where you just had one for the sake of it. And... Go from now and build me the best women's war game you can in 12 months' time that we are red-hot chomping at the bit for, as we are with this one, because I think this one's going to be great. This is a weird situation where Damien Priest has the Money in the Bank briefcase, Seth Rollins is the champion, they are both in this match. Could we see a cash-in by Damien Priest on Seth Rollins for the title in war games? Yeah, you said this to me on message yesterday and it blew my little brain because I was like, he can cash in at any point. But if he... So the obvious one would to do to do it would be after the match. So Seth's after the match. But can he do it during the match? Can you have a match within a match? If he does it during the match, 
does it become an eight-way match? Are they all involved there? And everyone gets a shot. Like when it becomes a triple threat, when they do like it, it would be in a world where WWE have explored almost every avenue with the Money in the Bank over the last fifteen years. This would be unique. It would be new. It would be fresh, and I'd be all for it. I think it would. It, imagine if he won won the world title from Seth halfway through the match. They had to carry on having the War Games match. Like, I think it's a really if done well, it could be brilliant. And there are a lot of ways you could do it badly, and it would be it would go poorly and be confusing. So, I I hadn't even thought of it, but then as soon as you pitched me, I was like, ah, oh, I'd be really intrigued if they did that well. How it could be a really cool moment in WWE history. That it, it could work really well because you could do it as you say at the end. Say Judgment Day come out on top via shenanigans, and they're celebrating, and Michael Cole's about to take them off the air, and then suddenly Priest hands his briefcase because. If you are Damien Priest, excuse me, Damien Priest, and you've got this briefcase, when are you going to have a better chance to cash it in? I mean, in this stupid logic in wrestling way, this is the time to do it. It Massively, massively. Like, especially if Seth ends up in first, which you could see happening. I, I really enjoyed the encounter this week between Seth and Sammy, where they just leaned the fact, I think it was Seth said, we're the kind of guys that need us forever 100%, because they're really leaning into Seth's back injury here. It makes you wonder if they're getting ready to write him off TV because he probably does. We said this in the week. He probably does need. Well, he definitely deserves. He probably does need a little bit of a rest for to some injuries. But it's the same in any sport. You have the guys who are never ever at hundred percent. They just keep playing and they keep playing through it for their team or for their sport, and it's the detriment to themselves in the end. But I think they're leading into that a lot to the point where I could see that being a reason that they write Seth off TV at some point, and it would be when. Let's say Damien Priest cashed in, he just obliterates his back to the steel chair before it or something like that. So I also want to say what a brilliant job I think WWE have done with Damien Priest over the last 12 months mm. because Damien Priest has always been a very good wrestler. You can't deny that, but he was very much a mid-card sort of level. He was part of the Judgment Day and we didn't really like the Judgment Day. And since he had that main event with Bad Bunny in Puerto Rico, a backlash, he has just gone into superstardom. And even when he won the money in the back, I was a bit like, uh, not where I would have gone. Damien Priest, that's not too exciting. Now I'd be really excited to see a Damien Priest title run, especially with the intricacies and the dynamic in the Judgment Day. But he also seems like a credible threat, like he's a big, badass, bit of a monster heel. So I did a great job with Damien Priest. Um, and yeah, I, I'm actually very, very excited for Survivor Series now. I think Survivor Series is going to be great. I think that War Games has helped it make feel big again. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. It is in Chicago. We're going to have this conversation every week until Chicago is been and gone. Is CM Punk going to show up? Because the rumours and speculations continue to be, oh, maybe he's meeting with the board. Maybe he's not met with the board. No one knows anything. So this is pure speculation. So I genuinely think he is. And that might be the fan in me because I've gone this podcast many times. If I ran WWE, if I was a wrestler in WWE, I wouldn't want CM Punk anywhere near my locker room. And I stand by that. However, I'm not. I'm a fan. And it doesn't affect me what goes on backstage. I just like to see what I see on, on, on my screen. And CM Punk would be fascinating and brilliant and must watch on my screen. So I, I want it to happen. My thought on it is, about four to six weeks ago, we were all sure it was happening, weren't we? The reports where it was definitely happening. And out of nowhere, those reports became, no, it's not happening. And I just feel like WWE somehow wrestled the narrative away and definitely were like, no, no, we want this to be a surprise. And I don't know how they do it or what, but I think I think WWE have been behind the whole change the narrative to he's definitely not coming. 
Those he's definitely not coming reports have got more quiet recently, and you start to hear rumours again, as if as if Survivor Series is two weeks away now. They might want you to start thinking he's coming back, and I I think Mega Corporation WWE and TKO have got hold of this narrative very very well, and I think either we see him after a match somehow, or somehow Judgment Day find a fifth member. I don't know who it would be or what they do, but Judgment Day find a fifth member. And then, oh, the faces need a fifth member. Who's it going to be? And uh, Cult of Personality hits. Imagine if it was anyone but Cult of Personality. God, could you imagine? Thing is, they've got to play this so carefully because Paul, there is a scenario in which WWE is sitting there going, no, he's he's actually not coming back. He, we have a, This is a guy who isn't on their roster. We don't even know if his no-compete is, is gone, although he's hinted that it's 90 days, so it would be up. This is wrestling fans trying to take control of the narrative, potentially. If WWE haven't signed him, I don't know how you dampen that down in Chicago. Agreed, but I do think if they if they haven't, I do think the way they have wrestled the narrative and they've they have explicitly said he's not coming. And actually, because they're giving us such a good show in other reasons, it hasn't controlled the narrative recently. Whereas I think in years gone by, it'd be the only thing anyone would be watching Survivor Series for. I think now even if CM Punk doesn't come, like Chicago will still enjoy the show because it will be a good wrestling show. So I think I think they'll be okay, whereas in years gone by, WWE would have lent into this massively to get people watching and then not delivered and would have been booed out of the place. So I think they'll be okay. I've just got this feeling he is coming. It feels a bit like, and you, but without rubbing it in, and boo-hoo, poor you, you were off in Australia sunning yourself, but when we were all in at Wembley, there was a group of fans who were absolutely convinced Adam Copeland was showing up and they were quite disappointed by the end of the show going, Adam Copeland wasn't there. And most people went, yeah, but look at what we got. And they never said he was going to be there. So I think it's sort of that dynamic. Um, That's a big show coming up. We need to touch on Crown Jewel last weekend in Saudi Arabia. Usual caveat supply. We've spoken about them many times on the podcast. We don't need to go into the politics of these shows again. Let's just touch on the results of these shows. Uh, no surprise, I think, to anyone that LA Knight didn't beat Roman Reigns in the main event. He held his own, I thought. I think the big question is, what do you do with each man next? Because that's a big call. Yeah, huge. And I think, like I say, no one was surprised by what happened or the way it happened. But you read reports that Roman Reigns is not slated to be back in WWE until 2024 now. So we won't see him again this year. But yeah, what do you do with LA Knight? Because as I've said multiple times, I don't think you can throw him in the Rumble unless he's going to win it. So where where do you put him next? And I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. But I also think you've got to capitalise on this popularity and he has to stay on our screens and do something. So I, I don't know the answer to what you do early night next. Nothing is striking me as obvious. Do, do you have any thoughts? I was just thinking this is where Roman's absence hurts, particularly on SmackDown, because on Raw you have got, whether we like that world title or not, we have got a world title scene. And I, I actually think, as much as I didn't like the reasoning for it, I'm one round now because there is a title that all these top guys can challenge for. Who does LA Knight challenge on that brand? I mean, it's Logan Paul is the next top guy, but it's way too soon to go straight to an LA Knight-Logan Paul feud. So is it LA Knight against Solo Sokoa? Is that what we do for a little bit after Sokoa absolutely mullered John Cena in Saudi Arabia? I'm not sure. And the fact that I'm not sure, I think, doesn't necessarily bode well for LA Knight. Roman is just going to do Roman things now, off on his break until the Rumble, and we're going to hate that he's away, but we're going to love it when he's back. 
Yeah, and also, I'm all for Logan Paul winning the US title. We spoke about it before. I'm sure we'll speak about it now, but I think it's a great move. But you've now got two champions who aren't full-time wrestlers on SmackDown. Like, I know Logan Paul says he's going to be there more often. He's not going to be there every week. Roman Reigns certainly isn't there every week. So suddenly, you've got no men's single titles on SmackDown. Like, that is... It's a tough sell for why we should watch SmackDown every Friday when what what are they all wrestling for? Yeah, but what's the point? If you don't have any titles there, I mean, maybe bring back the 24-7 title and have LA Knight go for that. Ooh, but There's some prestige there. That's what you want. You want that one that was run by, uh, well, I guess our truth must have the most reigns with that or something like that. 24 times or something like that. Logan Paul continues to look like a superstar. We say it every time. He's got gold round his waist and it looks good and it feels good and he almost saved Rey Mysterio. Now, whether he was in the wrong place for Rey or Rey didn't get round, but man, that was scary. Yeah, that would, like you said, we don't know if it was um, Logan being in the wrong spot or Ray slipping and making an error. But either way, Logan Paul adjusted uh, just in time to save Ray, protected from a really bad injury. So we're all thankful for that. And yeah, Logan Paul cheating to beat one of the best of all time with brass knucks completely makes sense. But he can hold his own in there. And even just what he's done with the title in the week since, he has it everywhere with him. Everywhere he goes, he has that US title with him. And it makes good business sense of WWE to put it on him. But I also think it makes good storyline sense because... That's the thing. This isn't like when you give it to someone who's not good enough because they have a good standing in the wider world or when Jinder Mahal won the world title because they were trying to expand into the Asian markets. This is because Logan Paul is a superstar across the world, but also is excellent in the ring. And we've said it multiple times on here. It frustrates us because I want to not like Logan Paul. He's not my kind of guy. I'm kind of sure he was born to be a WWE superstar. Like, he's so good at this. And... Yeah, I think it makes perfect, perfect. And you see backstage, the conversation. I, I love the little backstage things WWE give us, just the little bits of snippets. And you see the likes of Triple H and Cody con- congratulating him. It seems like he has the respect of everyone backstage as well from what you see. So he must be doing a lot right, both on our screens and off our screens. And I'm I'm actually excited to see how long they give him this title for, how long he runs for it. I saw someone online, I've forgotten who, I'm really bad at that, pitching that you do Brock Lesnar versus Logan Paul for the US title at WrestleMania. And I was kind of intrigued by that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that because Logan Paul has never shown fear. He's this cocky YouTube megastar with all the money, all the girls, all the power. So what do you put him against? A big, beefy beast of a country boy who doesn't care about anything other than hurting you? Yeah, I can... But but I also think LA Knight against Logan Paul gives LA Knight a WrestleMania moment. Yeah, that that's the other one I think is that that makes complete sense. I saw him. I spent twenty minutes yesterday on a uh, Twitter thread of just uh, Brock Lesnar's most freakish athletic moments, and honestly, it was just like you forget what what a crazy crazy athlete the man is. He um he is something else. So yeah, I, I thought Brock Lesnar throwing Logan Paul around for fifteen minutes could be quite enjoyable. Yeah, I think Brock's best moment is where he picked up Charles Robinson by the one of them just one-handed by the belt single-handed just one more thing on Logan Paul because we'll talk AEW in a bit and wrap up um Crown Jewel there's something on WWE's Instagram which is just and this is the bits that make him so good where he goes over I don't think it's not the big camera on him it's like a ringside camera and he goes over to Rey Mysterio and he goes sorry man I did what I had to do and Rey Mysterio goes, you cheated, you cheated. And he went, what? No, sorry, I beat you fair and square. Don't know what you're talking about, Rey. And I thought, man, those are those little things that you think wrestlers take forever to pick up. And he has just 
got it. So he is money. Um, we also saw Sola Sokoa absolutely destroy John Cena, who has put up on his Instagram uh, the end Looney Tunes graphic. Now, whether that's the end of the actor strike and he's back to Hollywood or the end of his wrestling career, who knows? But Cena on his way out in what has got to be one of his last runs is doing business for WWE. Yeah, Cena puts people over like there's like there is no one. He's one of the best at doing it. He just gets it, doesn't he, John Cena? And after so long, fans disliking John Cena for for a lot of good reasons. Like WWE is not presenting him in the best way for a long time. It is so nice to see him have the respect he deserves for what he's done for this business. But the push that gives Soros go, the only two people I've ever seen squash Cena like that are Taker at WrestleMania because he was the Undertaker and he needed to look strong after his terrible match with Roman Reigns and Brock at Survivor Series. They're the only two people who've ever squashed Cena like that. And it was almost difficult to watch because this is Super John Cena, like the Superman of my childhood, just being absolutely pummeled by Solo Sokoa. So I think WWE have big, big, big plans for Solo Sokoa. Uh, I think that proves it. And it's great to see whatever you say of what's happened in the last three to six months of the Bloodline story where it has fizzled out a little bit. We can all admit that. They have developed a new absolute superstar in Solo Sokoa because he only debuted on the main roster a year and a little bit ago at Clash of the Castle. We were there. And now 14 months later, he's squashing John Cena. So whatever you say, whatever you think, they have developed an absolute new main event superstar in Solo. There is a way I can see WWE having Cody lose at WrestleMania again. I wouldn't do it. I, I, I didn't mind him losing this time. I wouldn't have it happen again, but I can see him losing and WWE putting the title on Solo Sokoa. I can see that happening. That's how credible this win over John Cena was, that that now isn't pie in the sky, that there is an alternative direction where Solo Sokoa and not Cody Rhodes is the man to beat Roman Reigns. I, I can see it. I just feel like if they don't put this title on Cody, they are they've put themselves into a lot of trouble. I think this has to, has to, has to be Cody at the end of WrestleMania with that title. It just has to be. But how good is that book? I, I, I do think it justifies them not doing it last time because last time I was like, eh, take or leave it. Now I'm like, no, as a fan, Cody deserves this. Anyway, we're not going to get into that argument again. Let's talk AEW. On the road to full gear in California and whisper it quietly, I think there's been a marked improvement in AEW's storytelling in recent weeks. We've had promo packages, setups at the start of the show. The ratings don't necessarily reflect it, but I don't think that's a reflection on the shows because I think it's picking up steam. I think AEW, after a real wobble between All In at Wembley to now, is is beginning to look pretty decent again. Yeah, I entirely agree, and I think there is reason to watch AW week to week at the moment and if you don't think I'm a little bit hooked on who's behind that devil mask then you are kidding yourself because I really want to know right who who is that answer me that question then because who do you think is behind the devil mask I tell you who I want it to be I want the whole thing with Adam Cole's ankle to be a work I need to be Adam Cole I'm still I still think it might be because I swear to god I still maintain that the way he carried on after he rolled his ankle that day, if he'd done what the x-rays looked like he'd done, I don't care how high your adrenaline is, I don't think he could have done it. I sat here on this podcast and said it can't be that serious an ankle injury because he carried on. And like you can do a not serious ankle injury that keeps you up for six weeks. It's incredibly painful. I've done it many a time. And then you see his x-rays that he's broken seven bones and torn a million ligaments and stuff. 
and he's hammered. Right. If he has actually hurt it, I'm going to sound really brutal here. He's hamming up a lot on Twitter how hard it is to come back from this one and that sort of stuff, which if he has done it, would be fair because it's terrible timing. I don't know. I've just since you put it in my mind that you saw someone say maybe he's not done it and it's a work. I can't get it out of my mind. And I'm not, logic says I'm 99% sure it's not Adam Cole. There's just a little bit of me that thinks maybe it is. Imagine if it was when they do the reveal and there's these three fellas in the mask and I don't know how, who the fourth guy is, but one of let, let's just say there's two and the guy in the devil mask. One pulls off the mask and it's Kyle O'Reilly. One pulls off the mask and it's Bobby Fish and the other pulls off the mask and it is Adam Cole. And this whole thing has been a work. If it is a work, that is going to be one of the greatest storytelling devices any promotion has ever done. Ever. Yeah, it would be it would be incredible to take what was say, okay, because let's say let's say he did do his ankle and it was a six week or so. They go, okay, we can use this to our advantage. Let's make it out to be much worse. And let's just tease you back into I, I think it would be... Now, I've got to set my sights in not being him because it's very unlikely because I've seen x-rays and everyone seems to think it is. So who else? I, I saw... I don't know. Probably because I'm so excited by that idea, I don't want to think of anyone else. But I saw a few people suggest it could be Jungle Boy, be Jack Perry, which I guess would make a little bit of sense. But it's just less exciting, isn't it? But anything is... anything. Is, if it isn't Adam Cole, I really feel sorry for whoever it is because it just is going to be such a letdown because we as fans have decided it could be Adam Cole. I I mean, there are ways they can go. I can see a universe in which it's Adam Copeland, but you have to get him away from Christian Cage and that's the money match. I can see a universe in which it's CM Punk because... Jesus, Jack. Why not? Why? <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right. I mean, if Tony Khan went back to CM Punk again, then Tony Khan can never, ever, ever be upset when anything happens in his business. But the point is, AEW finally, week to week, episodic storytelling, we, which is what we've been banging on about for ages. Here's something else interesting about AEW. Their champion, MJF, is on every television show each and every week. WWE's champion, with respect to Seth Rollins, is Roman Reigns, who is barely there. WWE are going with less is more with Roman. AEW is going with more is more with MJF. Which style do you do you appreciate more? It's a really good question. Um, I think probably at the moment I prefer the MJF side of things where more is more, but you can't do that forever because you have to do more is more for a little bit and then ease off. I think the as ever the for me the correct answer is probably somewhere in between the two of them, where we don't see the champion every single week or three or four times a show like we have been. We don't see him once a month either. So I'd say probably something between the middle, but I'm probably enjoying MGF more than Roman at the moment because Roman just annoys me at the moment. Yeah, and I think if you haven't seen it yet, it was a couple of weeks back, but if you've got a spare hour in your day, and it's not an hour-long match, but it's a decent-length match, go and find MJF against Kenny Omega on Collision because that is as good a television match as AEW has presented in a long time. And AEW has given us 60-minute draws. It has given us great great TV matches but that was just it's a sort of match forget the fact there was no build you can just put that on Tony Schiavone Nigel McGuinness JR on the call for me that should be the Dynamite announced team because they were great the match was great fantastic just for pure wrestling brilliant doesn't get better than that yeah it was very very good I think we said the time didn't we wish there'd been a bit of a build and I still maintain that with a build it could have been even better but for having no build it was about as good a match as you're going to get 
Yeah, really, really good. Here's my slight problem with AEW. Not a problem, just I think they're making a little bit of a rod for their own back. At full gear, the main event is MJF against Jay White. I'm much more interested in MJF and Samoa Joe and MJF and The Mask. I'm not that fussed about MJF versus Jay White. That doesn't feel must-watch to me. How's it striking you? Yeah, I feel for Jay White because I feel like he's done a lot of good work here, but because they're trying to keep MJF on our screen every week and they booked this, what, six weeks out, didn't they, I think? Which isn't a bad thing. No, no, not at all. But we've ended up more interested in what MJF has been doing in the interim before this match. So I'm sure the match will deliver. and I'm sure it'll be great because they're two great wrestlers. But yes, I would be more interested in seeing... I always feel like there was a lot left out there with Samoa Joe and MJF. They had one good match and then we just moved on. Like, I just feel like we never really got the full picture with that one and I'd be very interested going back to it. Which is what they're teasing with Joe surrendering the Ring of Honor TV title and it looks like we're going to get Joe next. So I'm very intrigued by that. I think that's going to be great. One more thing that's doing really good uh, business in terms of my enjoyment of AEW is Sting's countdown to retirement. I like the fact that Sting is getting this long winding road to revolution in, what are we looking at, about five months, four months time, whenever they announce it. A chance to say a proper goodbye to a legend and you can hear every time he comes out, the crowd is just there for Sting to say goodbye. Yeah, I think it's it's the right way to do it. This is one of the greats of the industry ever. So let's not be speculating about when he's finishing. Tell us when he's finishing. Let the whole show be about him. Like I said, if you was to know, I want to see them all in Sting face paint when they're wrestling that night. Just make Revolution all about him, what BTs of his career, all that, and then give him the match, whatever match he wants, give him it to go out on and just, yeah, make it one of the all-time great shows respecting and honouring one of the all-time greats. And I'm going to say it again, I don't want to see Ric Flair taking any bumps. He's talking about how he can take bump. No, Rick. No, I don't want to see it, thank you. And also, and this might be harsh, it's not about you, Rick. This this, this is Sting's show, and I don't want it to be about anyone but Sting. You know how I would do it is, and, and it didn't, it probably doesn't get the credit it deserves because it was in the pandemic, but do you remember that Survivor Series that was all about The Undertaker in the Thunderdome? Yes. That's sort of how I would book it. That's what I would do. And I would just say, I don't care what the title match is. The main event is Sting's last match, and that's what we're going to put out last. And I can think of another time in wrestling we've had a goodbye tour like this. We had Kurt Angles when he came back to WWE, but Kurt couldn't yeah. go like... He lost, and then he lost to Baron Corbin. Yeah, it just didn't feel as special, whereas AEW are making this feel really good. And I think it's a shame that AEW's television ratings seem to be stagnant. But if I was Tony Khan, I would say... Don't worry at the moment. Keep it on shows like you put on on Dynamite. Keep building these hooks, and I think you're going to be in a good position. I really do, because I think it was the best Dynamite we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, I entirely agree. AEW is, is the last few weeks, been better than it has been for a while, I think. Yeah. Now, look, let's get to what is normally everyone's favourite part of the podcast, earning the push and back to developmental. But if you follow Charlie on Instagram, you will know that it has not been uh, the easiest times of tool for you um so i'm going to turn it over to you i'm not going to do one this week you talk about what you need to talk about my man yeah i've just got an in the push this week no back to about mental we obviously weren't here last week so apologies for that but um anyone who is a long time listens to the podcast or follows me on social media knows that i'm a little bit of a crazy dog man adore my dog uh, my boy otto and very sadly we lost him last wednesday uh very uh, tuesday last yeah well, early hours of wednesday morning very sadly, very suddenly, uh, out of nowhere, there was no one, sorry, there was nothing anyone could have done. And I just want to give a push to the best boy there ever was. Uh, he, Jack Mayhem, once he was mental, he was big, he was energetic, he was a 
bloody nightmare sometimes because he was 42 kilos of just pure energy. But he got me through some tough times. Like, I was struggling a little bit last year at times, and the only reason I was getting up at times was to take the dog out. And he just, yeah, he was the best, and I will miss him forever, forever. So, yeah, sorry we weren't here last week. I just want to give a push to Otto, Otto the dog, the best dog ever. So, yeah, that was all. And some of you will be listening not understanding, because if you don't have a dog, you can't understand. I completely appreciate that. I don't get it when with cats. I don't get it. But if there are people out there who are dog people, I uh, hope you understand. And he wasn't, the worst of it was, he wasn't even two. So we lost a lot of years that we were meant to have with him. But no, this isn't a sad time. It's We're now to the point where trying to just enjoy the fact we had him for, what, just over 18 months we had him. So we were very lucky to have him. And yeah, a big push to Otto and just all dogs out there. And if you are, if you have a dog and you're listening, just give him a sausage today. Like, I know they're not meant to eat him, but just give him a sausage or some cheese or something. Just give him something like that. Cheese? Oh yeah, cheese. Dogs okay. love cheese. I, 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 he was the best dog there ever was, and I remember when I came to your house to get you for clash, clash, and you said he's a big boy, and I was like, yeah, yeah, perspective is everything. Charlie's huge. He's he can't be that big, and I went. It was like a Shetland pony, just. <laughs> but the the sweetest, most gorgeous boy. So uh, you have no need to apologise for not being here last week. We all understand, and all our thoughts and love are with you all. Um, SmackDown tonight. Mm-hmm difficult one because Roman's not there and Logan Paul's not there you, you, you're booking Smackdown what are you throwing out on your TV screens I mean the women are doing a lot of heavy lifting tonight I'd say which isn't a bad thing but there's some brilliant there's some brilliant women's superstars and that division's very good but yeah where are the where where are the reason for the men to wrestle tonight yeah it's a weird one and I'll be interested if they address it the fact there's no titles on the show um, but yeah it is it's going to be fascinating as to how they potentially put themselves out of this, the fact that both their titles aren't on the show. Yeah, there's lots to talk about. We'll get into it more on next week's show, including, by the way, breaking news as we come to air, which we'll get into more on next week's show, that Vince McMahon is selling a bucket load of his TKO stock, which seems to indicate that the man behind WWE is on his way out of this new company. But that is for next week. For today, we are out of time. On behalf of Charlie and myself, thank you for listening to Earning the Push. Remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you are. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on most socials. I am Jack underscore Merley. Enjoy your wrestling week and we'll see you again next week. Until then, bye-bye. 